welcome. We have another great episode at uh, the Performance Zone. We bring you industry professionals to educate you, inspire you, inform you, enlighten you. And it's my job to unpack these amazing people and get into the nuggets of who they are and what they're about so we can share that information with you so that you can improve your life and take your, your walk and yourself to the next level. Now, this uh, episode of The Performance Zone is being brought to you by Claybank Studio, your online, on-camera training center for uh, work in film and television. And uh, we'd love for you to come down and check out what we're doing down here. We're also being brought to you by LA's One Minute Monologue Contest which is an annual competition that takes place each year around this time where we have actors put up a monologue in about 60 to 90 seconds, and they get to perform these monologues in front of a panel of industry professionals, writers, directors, producers, filmmakers. It's, it's an amazing thing, and you can find out more about this monologue contest, which is taking place in January 2020 this year, by going to the number one minutemonologue.com. So that's one minutemonologue.com with the actual digit. So our guest today is an industry veteran. I'm very excited to meet her because we haven't actually met yet and I for the first time I'm going to have to use some notes because uh, her resume is extensive and there's so many things about her I have yet to learn and so we're actually going to learn more about Liz Imperio together so without any further ado I'd like to welcome educator motivational speaker director and choreographer Liz Imperio Liz welcome to the performance Zone. Oh, thank you so much Clay I'm yeah. excited to be I'm excited to be a part of this well great I'm excited <laughs> that you're here this is terrific I can take these off now and we uh, we allow our little uh, mascot Pete to watch <laughs> over things and fantastic kind of part of the show right there so Liz I'm just gonna jump out on a few things and we'll we'll get going with this I mean some of the people that you've worked with have been absolutely fantastic I mean we're talking Jennifer Lopez and Gloria Estefan Michael Jackson you've worked in film music videos television I mean my goodness you certainly have uh, been busy. Yes yes I, I, I can say that um, I'm one of the blessed individuals that this has been my my whole career path since I was a little girl. I've never really worked any other type of job. I never bartended. I never sold clothes. Um, I, I've been one of the fortunate ones that this has been my every day. How what was it? Dance that dance? You broke yes, into as absolutely. A girl? My mom was actually uh, a dancer in the National Ballet of Cuba, and so when they came over from Cuba here, and my mom unexpectedly had me. Um, Dance was the thing that she really wanted me to, uh, not just to be introduced, but to understand and kind of be immersed in the experience, not knowing that this was actually going to be my career path for the rest of my life, or a big part of it at least. And how old were you when you got started? Um, I, I want to say I was roughly about three years old right. when my mom first put me into dance class. Ballet? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I was somewhere around eight years old that... Um, I discovered that this was actually something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And it was originally it was all about ballet. And this you're 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 a Long Beach native, is that correct? Yes, born and raised in Long Beach. Okay. Um so Southern California girl my entire life. Right. And then you were doing dancing there and eventually I guess you made your way up to Hollywood and started work dancing in some of these studios. How did that work? So oddly enough, uh when I was young, my mom introduced me from ballet into flamenco. 
And it was flamenco that actually took me out into Hollywood to just take lessons from really spectacular teachers. And uh, then out of nowhere, my mom got a call uh, from a friend saying, hey, this uh, choreographer is looking for Latin specialty acts. And I thought of your daughter. She dances flamenco. That might be something that might interest them. My mom said, great, no problem. And so my mother being my mother, uh, loaded up her Cadillac with all the flamenco <laughs> costumes you could possibly think of. And we had, uh, she brought her photo album because we didn't have phones. <laughs> right. And a box of cassette tapes. And I walk into the room to audition for a gentleman by the name of Kenny Ortega. And Kenny mm. Ortega is my, has been my mentor since I was 14 years old. He saw me dance, fell in love with me, and the first thing he said is like, I wanna hire you as my assistant. I didn't even know what that meant. Right, 14. <laughs> At 14. Mm. And so uh, he brought me on to do a Vegas show, um, bringing in my flamenco talents. Uh, next thing I know, after the job is done, I come home, um, he's like, hey, we're working on a movie, Salsa. You want to come join us? Absolutely. So he brought me in to assist on the movie Salsa, and that was my very first time on a movie set. I was roughly about, oh God, 17 years old at the time. And then uh, it just kept spiraling from there. And before I knew it, um, he handed me my very first job as a choreographer, as a solo choreographer. He was getting ready to actually... Uh, step into his directorial debut with the movie Newsies. And uh, Gloria Estefan had just come from her back accident. We had just finished doing her first music video since her back accidents, which is why uh, we already had a connection. And Gloria reached out to Kenny and said, hey, would Liz be interested in choreographing my world tour? And I was 19 years old at the time when I choreographed my very first world tour, which... I still look back, and I still don't know if that really happened, but somehow it oh. did. <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty fascinating. So, so if I hear you correctly, you were you were choreographing the show for Gloria at nineteen. Yes. With Gloria. Yes. And choreographing Gloria. Choreographing Gloria at absolutely 19. at nineteen. How old was she at the time? Um. Oh God. Um. Probably in her mid thirties. Oh really? Yes. Okay. Mid thirties. We worked together for about thirteen years. I did three world tours for her. Um, and that was the very first one. It was 1990 for her Into the Light World Tour. <clears throat> this was literally right after her bus accident where nobody thought she was going to be able to walk again. Mm. And uh, so being a part of not just the experience of, of choreographing a world tour, but watching someone overcome such insane uh, challenges in her life. Um, she was not just a great person, not just a great artist, but just an inspiration to what's what's worth fighting for. Going back to Kenny, what do you think you you could say you walked away with that most affected your life by being underneath his tutelage? Oh, wow, that's a very long list. I would say the first thing is... Uh, Business, life principles, skills? I'm gonna say life principles first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Kenny, whenever you meet anyone that's ever worked with Kenny, the first thing you'll always hear is like, wow, what a great man. Because the way he handles himself on set, the way he introduces himself to every single person, whether it's the craft service person or the DP or the new mm, talent yeah. or the extras right. or the background, he is just that individual that wants to make you feel comfortable the minute you walk into the room. Because he, I think as a director, he understands that when, you're when, you, when you make your talent 
incredibly comfortable in their environment, you're going to get the best work. And it removes all inhibitions. You see a lot easier to yeah. break down you're those smart. walls. Yeah. Um, and then I would say next is his ability to communicate. He is really specific about what he wants from camera movement to the, how he wants the choreography to unfold and just his willingness to always experiment. He is, I used to call him the change king of LA because he would change his mind every two minutes. And at times you think like, like, aren't you done yet? Are we, are, isn't, are, can't we just settle? And that was a thing. For him, there was never a concept of settling. For him, it was always, how can I make this one step better? And uh, I think that those, those, just on those principles alone, have been such a foundation for me as a choreographer um, and as a director and just moving forward into my life, how, how, how vast those basics have just really laid out an amazing career path for me. Okay, so what, I, what I'm hearing is that he has in, inspired you to take a look at things and go, okay, how do we prove, improve upon this? Yes. Where can we go next with making this better than it already is? Absolutely. And you obviously were able to do that. Yes. You know, it's, it's in the, in the, I'm going to speak from the world of choreography. It's, it's so easy just to kind of get into a room, turn on some music, get inspired by movement, and then kind of lock yourself into an idea. And once you get onto set, sometimes you, I've, I've met choreographers that sometimes are just kind of stuck to the one idea. And working with someone like Kenny, there was just always another opportunity just to stretch something in a new direction that may inspire either camera or directors or artists. And if that opportunity creates uh, a strong synergy on set, then you're, you're walking into gold. And that's, I think, I think that's, that's beneficial for anybody in any situation. And so I was always taught to fight until the very last moment, seconds before someone steps on, on camera, whether it's live or if it's, you know, in a pre-shoot. And, uh, and sometimes it's gotten me in trouble <laughs> because directors sometimes walk in already with a set idea. Mm -hmm. And here you are kind of going, hey, but what do you think about this? And I find that the ones that were always open to trying new things, we ended up walking away with the best products. Let, let's unpack that for a minute because you've you've choreographed f uh, quite a bit and for some very big names. I mean, you choreographed with Michael Jackson? Oddly enough, yes. So that came from Kenny. Uh, Kenny has had a very long relationship with, with Michael and he brought me in to work with Michael and a collection of 80 uh, named performers for the show United We Stand. Oh, right. Okay. Which and was following the 2000, uh, were yeah. You, were you one of several choreographers? Uh, no, for when it came to that performance with Michael, it was just Kenny and myself. And you worked with Michael Jackson? Yes. Well, you know, we need to look at that before <laughs> I go back to what I was going to say. Well, let's hold on to that. Let's hold on to, hold on to that because we'll, we'll keep that just for a second. That's, that, that's good stuff. Um, working with a director, let's talk about that. The, collabor the collaborative nature and, and everything that's involved with the strong minds that are in charge of the same production that have to collaborate and work together to be able to get the best result. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that nature because actors have to deal with that to some degree as well. When they get to a point where they're, they're actually able to be actively involved in the creative process, and let's face it, a lot of actors aren't. They show up, yeah. they're happy to get the job, the 
the directors, the boss, and just do whatever they say. But that's not everybody in every right. project. So wh what, what was that like for you, working with these different big-name directors? You know, you, you have someone I, I worked with a gentleman by the name of Ramon Melendez, who was actually the writer for um, Stand By Me. And I was brought on to do a Disney Channel product. And we had, for the first time on camera, America Ferreira. We had some actually some young, brand new spanking talent nobody had ever seen. And, uh, and Ramon was, you know, a, a dramatic writer coming in writing this show and now directing and he never had no experience in dance whatsoever and uh and it was really interesting to see where his mindset was when he first would walk in with his script he already had an idea specifically about what he wanted and then of course my job is to now also educate him a little bit more about what he can do with our dancing with our talent to be able to expand whether it's uh, the concept of the camera movement and and not get stuck into the basics of camera work which happens a lot in dance so in other words we will take like a basic master shot we'll take up some b-roll some b-shots and, and 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 it's nice some pickups but there's a, a much more interesting way to become immersive in dance um, that can really create a much more uh, uh, resonating experience for the audience and uh, and it was interesting because he was so adamant about just wanting his own vision. And the more I cultivated my relationship with him, the more he was open to really just seeing that, oh, wow, we could actually be doing more with this. And we ended up walking away with a great product. It was, um, it was <laughs> a great Disney Channel show. Oddly enough, um, I would probably say that uh, Gary Marsh will still say that was the start of what allowed Disney to have a new breath of life. And this was before High School Musical came in. This is before Cheetah Girls came in, before Descendants came in. This was the uh, the initial film, dance, dance uh, Disney Channel film, that created such a spark. It created such a, people just did not, nobody at Disney expected this to catch fire the way that it did. Mm. But again, when you're, when you, when you give yourself a little bit of, faith that what you have to offer is something that's going to bring value not just to do a, to a director but to the product then you realize that you have a, a bigger opportunity here to be collaborative and really explore the creative mind in a way that now allows other people to kind of feed into and I mean you can't not walk away when you have five six people your DP your choreographer your directors your set designers your lighting and everybody's literally working on this one thing to make this one product so fantastic you can't help but walk away feeling really proud and when you see the results afterwards by audience response and how much it, it inspired kids across the country and CSIP where they became like the, the tagline for so many young girls that wanted to now be a little bit more involved in dance. It just... What was that tagline? CSIP where they, which is, yes, we can. <laughs> Say it again, I like that. <laughs> CSIP where they. Come on. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to the other side of that. How about handling... Uh, I could say difficult directors, but I could also word it that where the chemistry just doesn't work, and it, it yes. it's, and it's a conflicting relationship. Absolutely. So I would say my my relationship um, on a on a film 
was a great director, oddly enough. But again, very, very, like, he was so locked into his ideas about what he wanted. And what was interesting is that he came to me and he was like, look, we really want this to be a wedding dance and we want the kids to have, like, this this ring around the rosy type dance without it being ring around the rosy. And I was like, great, not a problem. So, you know, we listen to the music, we explore ideas. Um, I have a few of my assistants, I have professional dancers, we're exploring, we're exploring. And when he came back, we, we gave him basically every he everything he asked for. And he was like, but no, that's not what I wanted. I want the ring, I want the circle. The circle is our friend. <laughs> I was like, okay, but okay, okay, all right. So <laughs> there, were, there were so many back and forth moments. And all you can do at that point is know that if you have to surrender, and this is the biggest lesson I had to learn growing up in this industry is knowing how to surrender my ego. When I have to deal with a very difficult director, the first thing I, I will probably say is take a breath and let go. Because more than likely, as much as you want to collaborate and be of, a, of service to someone, there are times people that are just very, very locked into what they want. It doesn't always serve maybe the overall product as a whole, but that's what they're requiring of you. Okay, that's fine. They're the director. They're the director. And sadly, then the scene got cut because it didn't serve the scene. And it, it and it's, and it's, and it's, you know, it kind of breaks your heart because you really wanted something to really just shine through just to make the scene work or to be uh, something that's going to lend how to bring the story further forward to the next, to the next scene. And, uh, you know, there are times where it works and there are times where it doesn't. So what I'm hearing is that you pretty much just have to do an ego check and just just back down. Yes. You know, there are times, I, I know there's there are moments where there it's worth fighting for, and then there are moments when you realize no matter how hard you fight, you're not going to win this. Isn't that the truth? Mm. <laughs> it's every day sometimes. Now, <laughs> if we, if we trend, now we have uh, a large actor audience and of course entertainers you know singers and dancers and slashes actor slash actor slash kind of deal um, when it comes to working with the talent in this case dancers and dancer performers how is it that you find there are uh, um, talent that works well on set for you that you go i just want to work with this person all the time and somebody that you go i, I don't ever want to see this person again i think it's important because everybody finds themselves in a situation where they're either being part of the problem or part of the solution absolutely you know um it, it never it never goes without saying talent in los angeles or any mecca of entertainment that's the one thing you're going to find loads of so much talent in every direction being able to find talent that is willing to listen willing to be playful willing to risk even if it's you know i'm going to feel like a dork for a minute but i got to trust the process you know when you have people that have that willingness to participate you know again you you that in itself i think is one of the hardest things to find i think everybody's so concerned about what everybody else is thinking all the time that sometimes you surrender the biggest part of who you are as a talent and that's the willingness to explore discover experiment you know that's that's i think the beauty of being a creative individual and then on top of it somebody that's just easy going not not you know when you deal with egos and i've dealt with egos my god you know you <laughs> you deal with egos every day in this industry and there are times where you know i feel like the ego merits a place and then there are times where it just 
it halts production. It is. It makes it really challenging. It adds friction. It gets in the way. It gets in the way, absolutely. And there's a point where no matter how talented somebody is, there's a point where everybody just kind of like shakes it off and like, we're done. I have, there's no point in me working with you. It's, I'm, I'm, I, I have more, I have better chances of getting something out of a wall than out of your ego. So if there's that, if there's that point where I have to make a choice, then I learn to let go. So even in the world of dance, I have a list. I have a very long list and every year I come back and I work with my assistants and after every project we work on we talk about every person that we worked with who was great who was like the rock star of this of this production okay hold it there I get that this is great and this is where we're um, a lot of agents managers representatives casting directors directors producers everybody has their short list yes so w for you what does it take to be that rock star oh uh, I think first and foremost, uh, the talent, obviously. Um, the talent needs to have diversity. Um, it's great to be specialized, but specialized leaves you a little limited as a choreographer, as a director. So having someone that has a little bit more diversity to their emotional platform in the world of dance, just their dance styles, not just being a great hip hopper. I need somebody that can dance great jazz and ballroom and flamenco and has again, a little bit more just of a worldly understanding of dance. Um, I think the next thing yeah, beyond that is just their, that emotional vulnerability that when you see it on stage, makes you cry, makes you laugh, makes you get excited, makes you celebrate, gets you pissed off. Same thing on camera. Uh, being able to find that person that has not just the physical attributes, but the emotional attributes, something that's going to be relatable and connected to an audience because that's where it's going to matter most is like that relatability. Um, and then above beyond that, somebody that's just a good person who's responsible, stays on time, doesn't work on excuses, but is that, I, you know what, give me five minutes and I'm going to get it for you. And that those those willing participants, those to me are like the rock stars. Okay, all right. I want I want to drill in here because you're you're you also motivate. We talked earlier. You motivate. You empower a lot of dancers. Not just teach them choreography and dance, but also life principle skills as a life coach. Um, my thing as an instructor is always how do I get this information across and then into a person so that they actually get this. And something that's difficult is teaching a blind person to see. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got somebody that's that, that doesn't understand these things and they don't even know that they're doing them, or maybe they're doing them but they can't control the fact that they're doing them. And on the other side of it, we've got people who are everything you just said, that whole hit list. They're yeah. there, they show up early, they, they put in the extra effort, they, they, they're fun to be around and all that. To somebody that's listening right now, to get them to understand how do you become that more magnetic person, that more I want to work with you person, what would you say that is? What do they need to do? I would, you know what, that is a great question. Because um, self, self-awareness is one of the hardest things to tap into or even again be aware what it even means you know we and especially in this industry because we're hustlers by nature we hustle to get that next job but the thing is that when you hustle for so long you start to put blinders on either side of your eyes and it gets to be very narrow-minded 
And my job, whenever I work with dancers, is to try to get as much of those blinders to crack open just enough that they can see that there's a little bit more. My mom was very adamant about teaching me growing up that she, she was she's that person that doesn't believe in the word no. She only knows in the word yes. She doesn't believe in festering into a problem. She looks into figuring out the solution. Oh, that's fantastic. And being able to discover choice in any moment of any person's life is the minutia of mental awareness. And But getting somebody to be aware means you hope that somebody's going to be honest with you. You hope that you're surrounding yourself with honest people. My mom, <laughs> I, I could speak hours about my mom, but my mom was that person that always sought out the teacher. That She always had three principles that every teacher for me needed to have. Honesty, structure, and discipline. Because if the person couldn't be honest to begin with, then how am I ever supposed to actually grow? Now, whether I like what they're telling me through their honesty or not is something where, that I have to face. And... And that's the thing. Most people still love living their life blindly. And then it takes life punching you in the face a good amount of times before you are willing to even look. And when you hopefully look, you hope that you start to reach out to people that maybe you dismiss because they were too honest. Maybe you allow them to be a little bit more invested in your life because it may hurt for a minute, but if you realize that that honesty is coming with love, it's coming with earnest it's coming with integrity, it's coming with the best of what we all have to offer as human beings, then maybe they act, their honesty is going to lead you to something better because the path that you currently are taking is only creating the same result. And so to me, if you're going to create the same result over and over again, it's because you're still making the same choice. So until you can, can change the choice, that means you have to change who, who, what, how you're thinking, whether it's about you, your responses, how you react. And that, and that takes a good solid minute. I work with dancers who can be incredibly stubborn. And I am that person that even though we're, we're working in a professional environment, I still want to introduce principles to help them understand how to improve, how to see themselves a little bit better, how to grow themselves, how not to get stuck in pity or the martyr or the victim role and get them to, to be proactive. And what is that right there? Let's look at that, that PowerPoint of, okay, so they are in these, these I, I just call them downward arrows. Our, our energies are either tolerating or celebrating. We're either going down <laughs> or we're going up. I mean, it, we're doing one or the other. Absolutely. Uh, and, and when you have someone who's caught up in that perpetual state of any of these things that just are just downward arrows, getting those arrows to turn up, I hear what you're saying. These are awesome principles. I, I want to take one thing out of it. And, and we'll put a little bit of more pressure yeah, on absolutely. you. Know, you're an empowerment coach, you're, you're, you're a life coach, right? So we're gonna challenge these things. Um, for me, I find sometimes with these people, what it does take is what you said. They need to get a couple of belts in the face from life before they get it. And that's the only thing, there's the only thing that's gonna stop. And it's like some things just, you know, they say, God's gonna whisper in your ear, then he's gonna give you a nudge, then he's gonna push you, and eventually the wrecking ball's coming out. Yeah. But it's, at some point, you, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, gonna get the head. So outside of that wrecking ball coming in and just punching him in the face, so to speak, these words you're saying, you know, what would you say to somebody that really needs to make that adjustment from self-destruction into being a more positive, collaborative individual. 
that didn't grow up with a mother like yours? Knowing how to fight for yourself is one of the hardest things to do. The easiest thing to do in life is to give up. My mom, my mom was a survivor from a communist country. Her and my grandmother and my aunt and my grandfather had to work in a concentration camp for nine years before they were allowed to come here. So I was raised by survivors. Mm. And, and the thing that I found in my life growing up beyond that was that I, I realized as much as my mom has survived, she knows how to, f there's a difference between surviving your life and fighting for your life. And that to me is my one step evolving past my mom which to me is an amazing thing to even see, embrace, and make a daily practice. You're finishing her trajectory. Correct. And or advancing it. I don't know if yes, you have children. Absolutely, absolutely. Or, well, the children you, you, the, you yes, teach. Yes, the children yes. that I teach, exactly. Passing that trajectory on. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I want people to eventually, obviously you want people to always be better than you at some point, especially your children. You want them to evolve. You work hard to get them to a certain place, and you hope that your children basically pick up from where you left off and keep going, and not that you just create the same cycle of, of living just as far as they did. And for me, you know, when it comes to that moment where life is punching you in the face, you, you have to choice. You have a choice to make, and that choice is to either fight or give up. And I've seen people give up, and it is heartbreaking. We see people give up every day. I mean, I, I hate to say that we live in a, right now, even in a city where I, I used to drive down so much down Gower, and there, there was no such thing as a homeless person walking down Gower. Now it's tents. Now it's tent cities. Mm, yeah. And people are, are surrendering and, and believing that this is as good as life is going to get. And, and I have to call BS on that because there's a point where you either allow life to just design whatever it is that you because you've let go you've stopped you've stopped believing and and it is it's the hardest thing is to find that self-belief that self-faith that the idea of fighting because your life is so worth it and that's that's why to me the concept of developing self-value or getting kids to understand what value even means you know as adults you will you eventually learn the even the idea of value i'll be honest when i was when i was younger i worked a lot but until I learned my value, I only worked as much as I knew that my worth was. Once I understood what my worth was, my work has now become limitless. How did you learn that? Oh, getting hit in the face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> getting punched in the face. When 2008 hit, it, right. it, 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 it was, it was, it was the, 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 the face hit around the world. There wasn't anyone that wasn't discriminated. Nobody was immune from the hit that the economy took. And I was at a point where I, our industry went from LPs and selling records to now everything going online onto iTunes. Instead of selling, you know, albums, it went to singles. Suddenly every production that was out there went from being these multi- you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars being spent on these award shows and tours because the money was coming in to now everybody went unplugged. I had, I had nine months of work laid out from the beginning of the end of 2008 through uh, almost mid to end of summer of 2009. And within two weeks, it was all gone. That same, in that same, 
in that same vein, my business partner took a hit. He had a heart attack. We lost our home. We, uh, I mean, it was two of my friends passed away. My family was going under the, the reps. I mean, it was one thing after the other. And you get to a point where when you have so many things coming at you and, you, and you're now looking for pennies because now we're not working. I, I remember literally like pulling money out of my couch to see if I could just buy a cheeseburger at McDonald's because that would be the cheapest thing that I could find. And here I am, 38. I've already worked on tours. You know, hitting rock bottom can happen to anyone at any given time in life. But there's a point where when you hit rock bottom so hard, you have to start making a choice of whether you want to continue this path or you realize, no, there's got to be something better. So how'd you turn it around? Oddly enough, <laughs> my business partner somehow got a hand, his hands on uh, a set of Tony Robbins CDs. Right. And uh, the first <coughs> thing I just remember listening to Tony and going, you know, sometimes all it is is just taking one day at a time. Sometimes let's just do the simplest thing. Make one phone call. Make one phone call to somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time. And it was humbling. And it was, you know, when you're on the top of your game, the last thing you're used to doing is asking for help. Because you're on the top of your game. When you're no longer on the top of your game, you have no choice but to ask for help. But letting go of everything that you believe is who you are. and But why am I asking for help? I was just this person. I was just making all this money. I was traveling around the world, and now I have to ask for help. And it really, it, there's a point in your mind where everything starts to kind of feel helpless. And again, the victim mode, the martyr mode, the, 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 the helpless mode, everything just starts to trigger. And there's a point where... Again, coming from my mom, this is where the survivalist kind of kicks in. And you have to, like, slap yourself around a little bit and go, no, you're better than this. You can ask for help because there's nothing wrong with it. And the minute that that clicked in my mind, I started speaking to people that I haven't spoken to for years. The minute I, I, that, that clicked for me, the more I started to talking to people that I, I would never think of talking to before. And suddenly, new paths, more work started showing up just in a way. Just by talking. Just by talking, just by surrendering. Mm. You know, there are three words. It was so funny. I saw, um, I wish I could remember the name of the movie, um, but the tagline of the movie, it said, it had the surrender is, and it had the letter V. Um, and I, in my head, all I thought was, Surrender is victory. When you learn to surrender that one thing in your life, victory really starts to shine through. If you surrender your stubbornness, man, you'll be able to see more. You'll be able to hear more. When you are surrendering your ego, man, it's amazing how people want to work with you more. When you learn to surrender things that you feel were so important to you and you realize they're not that important, these other things are. You know, I... I in that in that moment where I was I was hitting rock bottom, I used to travel to a lot of dance studios and a lot of dance conventions, and I would work with tens of thousands of kids every year. And I remember I was like, okay, let me let me go and just make out some emails. And I wrote out to 50 people. Not one person responded. And I was like, man, this is hard. 
this is not easy. This is not going to come as easy as I thought. And I thought, okay, well, let me take a different approach. And I just reached out to a couple of other conventions. And suddenly somebody I did not expect to reach out to me reached out to me and said, we would love for you to come and guest teach. Fantastic. Great. So at least I'll get some work there. All right. Well, maybe I'm not as bad. You know, I've been out of touch with the industry. Maybe I need to put myself back in touch. And I threw my, my videos up on screen because I'm also an editor. And I started editing my, my demo reel. Because there's a point where in all of this mess that you're going through when everything is going wrong, you start to think that you're not worth it, you're not relatable, um, who's ever going to hire you, you've been out of sight, out of mind. Um, like, what, what do you have worth offering anymore? And, I, and as I pop up all these footage and I see Gloria and I see Michael and I see Jennifer Lopez and I see American Music Awards and I see Grammys and I see this and I see that and I see Disney Channel and I see my commercial work and I'm just like, why am I thinking that I don't, that I'm not relevant? Why am I thinking that I don't have anything to offer? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. holy crap. Like, sometimes you just need to see yourself in the mirror and remind yourself of everything you've ever made happen. But when you're in the habit of doing what you do every day, and this is the biggest trap, I'm gonna say this to everyone out there. When you are used to doing what you're doing every single day, you stop realizing that what you do is special because to you it's just ordinary. And you have to remind yourself that what you do you do with love, you do with passion, but you come up with it with work and commitment and dedication, which means that you keep adding value. And that's the thing that I think most people forget is that what you do matters. Sometimes you don't know how far, no. but it does matter. No, that's, that's an excellent point. When I was uh, retiring from acting uh, after my 18 year run, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to just instruct full time. I've got to build a business. I hired a couple of business coaches because I, I understand the power of coaching. And um, one business coach, very successful woman, international, named Fabian. Some people might know her. And she's, she's, ju she's just an amazing business coach. And um, I, hired, I hired her. I bought into her, her system and everything. And this woman was just crazy, crazy successful. She says, one of the things that I do is whenever I get a testimonial from any of my clients, I put them in a special folder. And I hold that folder and I let those little testimonials just stay in that folder. And when I'm having one of those days or one of those moments when I don't think what I'm doing is worth it, I'm not, I'm, I'm a phony and we all have that whole yes. kind of counterfeit syndrome that goes on. She says, I go over and I start reading through those testimonials and it throws me right back on my game. And that's what I'm hearing happen to you when you Absolutely. look at the videos. Yes. You know, we, again, being the hustlers that we are, and this is not, I mean, everybody hustles, not just our industry, but everybody hustles. Everybody hustles Life's to the- a hustle. It is. And, but there's a point where, you know, you have to look up. You just have to be able to look up. You have to be able to see yourself in the mirror. You have to actually love what you see. You have to be able to accept what you have. And then if it's not enough, then make the change. So again, it's like, when it comes back to that concept of, of awareness, I think the simplest thing is you just got to be able to look. You have to be willing to look. And sometimes you have to look in the places you don't want to. You know, no matter, no matter what a person says to an alcoholic, you can't tell somebody to stop drinking. They have to be the ones willing to stop drinking. You can't tell somebody who loves to play games, just stop playing games. Like, what are you doing? No, the person has to, you, 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 there's a point where you have to either choose to, want to be a part of your life or not 
And but again, sometimes you just need a little bit of that rough, that little tough love that life gives you. Losing a job, getting divorced, uh, losing where you live. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom said there are there's there there is no guarantee in life. Which is true. There is no guarantee of life. You can't. You, there's no way to guarantee that I'm going to stay healthy for the rest of my life. There's no way to guarantee that if I say I do, that I get to stay married. It doesn't mean that become a, I, I become a CEO of a company means I get to keep the company. Like someone like Steve Jobs who just got kicked out of his own company. Like, what? <laughs> there's no, you know, you can own a home. And here we live in California. How many homes got burned down? How many homes get destroyed in a tornado? There are no guarantees. My mom said there's only one is that there's a day that you live and there's a day that you die. That's the only guarantee. So in between, all we have left is to work as hard as we can to live the best life that we can. You know, they call it the dash. Life is all about the dash in between the start and the end days. Yes. Yeah, and what, what I'm hearing also just in what you're saying, and it, it coming back to the tough times, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. Uh, we're, we're all going to take hits, and even in the program, um, it's you have to adhere to a power uh, more powerful than yourself, and that's faith, and that's, yes. that's the God dynamic. Now, s- there's a lot of people put a different names on, on God, but we understand God is source and power supply, and then just based on your, th- you know, your, your own theological belief system on, on who God is in your life, yeah. if you put your confidence in your faith and the things that are around here, you're not going to be as strong as in a, in, in a believing entity, father, spirit, how people do define that. Because I even, when I'm, and I do a lot of counseling as well, when I talk to people, they say, well, I don't really have a faith. I don't, I don't believe in God. And I said, well, look, look at it this way. If you don't, then you can make something up. Wouldn't it make more sense to believe? Because what is belief? Belief is, is, is adhering to something that you can't actually tangibly, you know, yeah. y- you can't prove. Uh, in in that there is a, a, a father or a person or a source or a power that does exist and is on our side and does care about us and is there for us and will never let us down. Doesn't that make more sense to actually have that in our life as opposed to just the brokenness and all the heavy stuff? I mean, got to counterbalance these things. Absolutely. I, I feel that way about my, I, that's actually how I feel about dance. Dance to me was my higher power. And dance has been my soulmate, my best friend for as long as I can ever remember. And whenever I lost faith. it puts you in touch yes, with that, that center of Absolutely. Source. It's, like, it's like being a great actor or being a great performer of any kind. There's a moment where you're, my business partner and I talk a lot about this, and that when you are the closest connected to that moment and you're so, if, you're, if, if I'm dancing and I lose connection, to the fact that I'm dancing in front of somebody specific, but I am, I'm dancing and I'm caught up in the moment. I literally leave my body. I've had these experiences so many times where I literally, I feel like I've mm-hmm. left my body and something else takes over. And once the performance is done, I come somehow back into my body. And it's like, yo, what happened? I have no idea just what occurred. And my partner looks at me, he's like, don't you think that that might be the closest moment you'll ever be to God? Because you let everything that you feel stand in your way disappear. And you let the true nature of who you are emerge. And that that relationship I've had with dance for as long as I can, I can earmark almost every aspect of my life mm-hmm. up until now at 50 and think, my God, I don't know of when my, my, my industry, my talent hasn't been a big part of my life. You know, that's 
on the on the flip side of not just having talent but knowing how to keep tapping into it knowing how to keep having you know you look at people like Robert Downey Jr. great example somebody who's a, r a great talent truly great talent and then lost lost himself lost himself enough to be put and thrown in jail and to see his comeback as a person as an actor is really just so inspiring and I feel like we all have a little bit of that I feel like if we could all treat ourselves as the hero that when everything throws us to the point where we don't think we're not going to be able to make it we have to be able to tap into that thing that faith into that thing that unknowingness tap into that thing that's higher bigger than us and realize I might still have something in me to be able to do this and suddenly before you know it you just get through the next day and to the next day and next thing you know you're back to here but different you see success and but success to me now is not the same as success was for me in my 20s and my 30s not even in my 40s and being able to now also stand with a little bit more humbleness and just grounded and anchored and realizing that my future has absolutely no limitation except for the one I decide to give it that's when I realize I can now have a better relationship with myself something I never had before I just assumed things just landed in front of me because I got lucky or because somehow I was at the right place at the right time and yes luck luck is helpful but it's not the end all maybe a little divine intervention there you know, you were saying when you when you were leaving your body and uh, as close as you are to God, it's been said that uh, ego, ego, self, is the acronym for ease God out. So the more we're in the way, <laughs> the less God's going to be in there. And the, the less we're in the way, more God comes in and shows up. And I think that's that's kind of a, a real nugget right there. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, the... When even when an actor, I mean, you do see those actors that lose themselves in their, in their, in their characters or losing themselves in the scene. It's 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 because they have literally just stepped away for that brief moment, and they let something else in. You know, it's not the easiest thing to do. It, it really isn't to surrender that much. Mm, yeah, but there it is. But again, surrender is victory, right? So <laughs> here we're we're kind of coming down the uh, back nine, so to speak. And uh, I want to do. I do want to address the, just your whatever your experience was with Michael, um, just what that was. He, you know what I have to say, you know, the the moments that I got a chance to share with Michael, and there were and they were very very small. They weren't large. The one thing I noticed about him. So I will explain backstage. There was a point where uh, Paris and Prince, his children, were there, and. Uh, I remember a prince coming up to, to Michael going, Daddy, you need to eat. And Michael's like, honey, it's, I, I'm, I'm not hungry right now. It's like, no, no, no. You have to eat. You haven't eaten all day. I think, I think he must have been about 9, 10. But what I saw were kids that were devoted to their father. I thought that was amazing. And to see the kindness that I witnessed. And it was maybe 10, 15 minutes that I was backstage there. But... This was not a staged thing. This was not a scripted thing. This was just life for them. And to see how, how, how genuine they were with each other and how loving they were with each other, I thought that was amazing. And then 
when I saw Michael on stage was a very different animal. You know, that man had an ear for music. Like, he could hear when somebody, when a note was off from, a, from an instrument or from a voice. And it was interesting because whenever there was a moment where he had to take that commanding moment, his voice dropped. His actually voice actually got deeper. And I was like, wow, I, you know, we're not, we're not always privy to seeing that all the time. Mm. But there was a moment when he was so anchored to the thing that made him so I identifiable which was his singing, his talent. Um, it was amazing to see how commanding he really was. Um, something that, you know, I think after a while, you know, this industry has a really interesting way of comic booking someone, almost cartoonizing, mm -hmm. because they, they, they want people to either mm -hmm. see or believe. And I, I, I can't say whatever happened in other aspects of Michael's life. I can only speak on what I ever got a chance to witness. And what I witnessed in two very simple moments was a family that loved each other and a man who knew how to command a stage. Yeah. Yeah, he was something. Outside of that, I, I, you know, I he have knows. no experience, so mm. I'm one of those people who's like, I don't know, I can't speak on it. <laughs> yeah, just the talent's the talent. And, yeah. And you got to just appreciate the, the, the gift that's operating because behind all gifts, there's, there's a human, and we're, we're all frail, flawed, and we all have our issues. Absolutely. Right? And so, you know. I, I mean, we, I, yeah, I don't know about anybody. It's like, what is it? I'm not, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I, the one thing that I always remembered was the, the one scripture where, uh, you know, Jesus said, you know, Anyone here who has never not sinned, throw the f cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know of anybody in this world who could ever cast a stone. No. <laughs> nobody. We're, we're all the same. Anywhere. <laughs> right? No, of course. Yeah, only he can cast the stone. So, all right. Here's what I want to do in, in 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 just wrapping this up. This has been great. Thank you. Yeah, really I've enjoyed great. myself. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, coming from the, and I can hear the instructor in you, I can hear the care for people in you and, and, and the life wisdom. Um, as, as a, uh, say, a, a life coach, an empowerment coach, what is it that you would say to the world if you had an opportunity to post one picture and one Instagram saying, and the whole world would see it, what would be your IG post. Oh, wow. And what would it look like? Okay. I think that in regards to the image, and hopefully nobody will be totally grossed out by this, but I would say I would take myself inside out and show everything about who I am from the inside out. And what I would post in regards to what it would say is uh, something that was passed on to me by one of my great life coaches, uh, Candace Silvers, and that was passion. When you break down the word is being able to pass the eye on. You get to share a piece of who you are with the world. That would be my Instagram. Wow, I like that. Pass the eye on. Let's end on that. That's, <laughs> that's a beautiful <laughs> note right there. Passion, pass the eye on. Liz. 
how can people find out more about you? Where is it that they can go to know more about you? Um, well, they can definitely uh, look me up. I'm on Instagram at Liz Imperio or Facebook uh, at Liz Imperio. Um, but I am launching an app for the dance community right. called Tell Success. Tell us about the app. The app is... Um, Basically, it's an opportunity to bridge the gap for the dance studio community, which are the kids that are growing up at dance studios, learning to dance, and they want to learn a little bit more about how, if I really love doing this, how can I cross over into the professional world? Mm -hmm. So we're bridging a gap through this app and being able to uh, bring a little bit more of our knowledge of not just the industry, but also the things that it takes to last in this industry. You know, you can't make a resume off of one credit. Like, you need to be able to build a career to have a life. And uh, and that's the part that this app really comes into play. And so it allows us not just to uh, connect talented dancers to our agents or to choreographers that exist here in L.A., but it's also an opportunity to, uh, to mentor and to educate young dancers about self-worth about everything that they are building up for themselves and their value systems. So then when they come here, they understand a little bit more of how to handle their business, how to be able to say yes to the right jobs, how to say no to the wrong jobs, the ones that really merit your talent, that really merit the pay, the proper pay, um, versus just you know kind of giving it away at every second that you can. This which is all in your app. Yes. How long have you worked on this? This app has, well, I would say that it started off with a bunch of programs. It started off uh, with a program called Breaking Barriers, uh, which was a dancer's program. And then it developed into a program called Raising Successful Children, which was for the parents, which is a parallel program so that parents understand how to also guide their kids through this industry and understand a little bit more about the world of dance because most parents <laughs> come with absolutely no knowledge of dance. Is this through videos? Or yes. Is it, it's yes. through videos. It's through videos. So we have two certification courses on the app, one for the dancer and one for the parent. And then on top of it, we also uh, have these fun aspects of it called like the dance challenges where kids get to learn choreography, post it up on our app, and then our top 10 most voted then get to be distributed to our talent agencies here in L.A. We have who we have sponsorships with. And uh, if the agencies want, they're going to give them feedback, or if they really like them, potentially represent them. We could do a whole show on this app. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. Is this app available? Uh, this app will be available next year. Okay. Yeah. And it is going it's to called be... It's called success.dance. It'll be available on both Google as well as on iTunes. Success. Dot dance. dance. Do you have an idea of what the icon's going to look like? Yes. It's actually going to be, let's see. Do you I, have it? I do have it. You've got the artwork. So let's it's see. So right now it's a little it's a little purple. I know it's gonna be hard for can you to punch, see. Can we punch <laughs> in on that? Let's hold on. We're gonna we get our producer Lauren to punch in on this before we wrap out. As you see all the rest of my apps. <laughs> Go in on that little app there, Lauren, if you can. Oh, I love it. So it's the purple one right there. <laughs> so it's a purple background and it's got this silver guy in a jump position in the air. Okay. <laughs> but right. it is called success.dance. Maybe we'll post that in the show notes after. Absolutely. I'll send you guys the artwork. You get send us the artwork and we'll put that up on, on your, on your uh, platform on our page, which is at claybankstudio.com and go to PZTV because that's what you've just been watching. Liz, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I really so enjoyed much. getting to know you. Yeah, same here. It's been great because we, we have not met. <laughs> I know. This is always awesome. Yeah, great way to meet. <laughs> so thanks again. Really of appreciate course. it. Okay, guys, that's another episode. We're going to wrap this up with the Performance Zone. 
Again, brought to you by Claybank Studio, on-camera acting for film and television for you. Come on down, check us out, claybankstudio.com, and the One Minute Monologue Contest. Don't forget, it's on right now and happening in January. Find out more about it at the number one, minutemonologue.com. Thanks again, guys. Until next time.